welcome to Women's Cricket Chat with me, Alexandra. And me, Hannah. Coming up on today's podcast, we've got Georgia Adams. So back in October, I spoke to Georgia Adams, the Southern Vipers captain and former Loughborough Lightning Kia Super League player. So Georgia starts by telling me about her whirlwind of a summer due to COVID restrictions in the Rachel Hayhoflin Trophy. Been a bit of a whirlwind because obviously it just kind of went like in Lightning and in Super League it was like a six-week little whirlwind and then you go away for a long period of time and then with Covid went from not probably not going to play any kit to then playing cricket to then going into the comp with no expectations to then winning the comp and having a good comp personally I was like what has happened I still feel like I'm going to wake up and then just be back to normality but no craziness of it all. So yeah, tell me about that, obviously, the win, first of all. So like, what has the summer been like for you? Summer was quite literally very crazy, because I think even when we got the go-ahead, and I think right back to the start, when I got the phone call saying, we're offering you a contract, that was a bit like, we're in this crazy, scary time where actually a lot of people are losing jobs or are struggling, and then... I'm getting a phone call saying you're finally a pro cricketer which is something that obviously I've wanted to do all my life and something that I always dreamed of and if I'm truly honest it's a bit pessimistic but I never quite thought it was going to happen on the scale and on the level that it has happened so yeah I think that was the start of of a crazy summer really and it all seems really surreal looking back at it and when we started training as a squad it was all very much like we're probably not gonna we we're hoping that we'll play cricket but it's not looking very likely so at first it was a we're just so happy to pick up a cricket bat again and have a cricket ball in our hand and then obviously as the summer went by we actually started to get more clarity that cricket was going to go ahead uh, and we were going to get this competition on obviously named after one of the greats, um, Rachel Hayhoe Flint. So we truly went into the competition with, and I know I personally definitely went into it with no real expectations on how we were going to do as a team. I think we were, we met each other properly two weeks beforehand because even in the training, we had to train apart. So contractor players in England Academy and England players had to train as one bubble and the rest of the squad had to train as, as another bubble. So it was a little bit like we're going to walk out on the pitch together having only trained as a squad for two weeks prior to this. Let's just go and enjoy being back out on the pitch. And obviously it then... We played some ridiculously good cricket and as the summer went on and as the games went on, we were thrown into loads of different scenarios, loads of different situations and someone always stood up and sort of had that game-changing moment, whether it be a a diving one-handed catch, you know, someone breaking a crucial partnership. It was just, it really was a whirlwind. To go and lift the trophy was phenomenal, I think. It was definitely one of, um, if not my, my career highlights so far, because I think with the circumstances and the situation we've been in, it meant so much to everyone. So how much training did you get going into that tournament at all? So you've mentioned the two weeks, but as COVID was striking, did you manage to do much? So I was really in a position where I live in a flat in Brighton and my garden was smaller than this room that I'm in. So actually, I didn't do anything cricket-wise. I threw myself into loads of fitness stuff and also tried to do stuff that I probably hadn't done before. Like I got on the Peloton app and did loads of cycling and things like that because I've always been more of a runner. So I tried to stay focused in that way and stay as fit as I possibly could with what equipment I had. 
but I properly miss cricket. I got back in for a net here when restrictions eased and club cricket sort of recreational cricket got the go-ahead start again. Obviously, working at the Eldred Cricket Academy meant great. I can go out there and have a hit. And also my boss, my coach, is also my housemate. So we didn't have any restrictions because we were in the same household. So I had a couple of hits. And then with the phone call of you've now got a retainer contract, you're now a pro cricketer, you can't play cricket anymore. So I was like, oh no, like I had two sort of two sort of tra- little mini training sessions and then had to stop again. But we eventually got going. I'm trying to think of the timeline now. It must have been July. And we just two sessions a week really small group it was just myself obviously Tara Norris and Paige Gofield and then with time we sort of had the England Academy players like Ella Mack and Charlie Dean joined us but we were still only a group of five training twice a week at Arundel and yeah throughout the whole of July we were chuffed to be back training but it was still a little bit, we we weren't that optimistic about playing any matches. And then all of a sudden it just went from, okay, you're now playing. So it was, yeah, it was, again, like I said before, it was a whirlwind. But we were training sort of twice a week, um, Arundel, which was lovely, one of the best grounds in Sussex. And then only got two training sessions together as a whole squad before the competition. So we were sort of all thrown in and everyone was like, right, well, listen, we've got to crack on now. <laughs> And how was it meeting kind of some of the new players that you might not have played with before? And how did you integrate them into the team when you hadn't trained with them? It does feel like a bit of a blur because I think the only good thing is we had, uh, there were six of us from Sussex. So we already were quite familiar with each other and knew each other quite well. And then the majority of, well, I guess the players that made up the rest of the squad majority of them were Hampshire-based players so they were quite familiar with us so it was more about sort of integrating Sussex Team Sussex with Team Hampshire and we'd been playing warm-up games against each other from a county recreational point of view so obviously the best I could um, I tried to sort of watch some of the players get a bit of an understanding from them as a cricket point of view but as people we were quite literally thrown together and you never know what the environment's going to be like how how a team's going to gel how a team's going to click and I think everyone made everyone feel very welcome some of the younger players knew each other from doing junior vipers young vipers stuff even though we didn't know each other it really did feel like quite quickly we'd known each other for a long long time I remember Charlotte Taylor coming in I think third game into the competition and I'd never met her before didn't know much about her at all and Lottie sort of said to me I'm bringing in Taze um, because you know she, she offers loads with the ball and she's got a real point of difference so like great let's go for it and I met her for the first time and I was like this girl like is going to be seriously good like and, and just how people came across how people held themselves I can't fault anyone in the team and I, I'm so pleased that we all click and gel together because for me as a person environment is really important to me um, it always has been and it's always one of those things that I've always wanted to as a player be in an environment where I feel really comfortable and everyone sort of gets on and and what's the best for each other and I, I can honestly say that we got that this summer so um, it was very pleasing to, to see. And then back onto you now, so 500 runs. Talk to me about that consistency and like that form. So obviously gone from like barely any training to then hitting 50s, 100s. 
maybe it's a best when fresh approach. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think for me personally, I, I think playing on brilliant wickets regularly made such a huge difference. Um, the tracks were so true that you knew that you could be, as a batter, you could be really confident in your method and back yourself to just, to play your shots like there was never days where I was thinking oh gosh the ball's seeming around a bit here like I need to stop wafting that stuff outside off stump it, it just felt like you know maybe we got the best of the conditions as well as brilliant wickets and yeah I think I was really pleased because for me as a player I've never had consistency I've never felt like I've looked back at one of my seasons and gone actually I've had a, a pretty decent season there's always been loads of ups but loads of downs and, and periods where and maybe that was a, the the sort of changing factor is that because it was so short and sweet when you get sort of runs under your belt it obviously gives you a massive confidence boost so I did work really hard with Lottie like in that period sort of in August and July when we were training on just how to keep it as simple as possible what is going to be my method and every time I walk out to bat I stick to that method and accept that some days I might come off and some days I might not and I think that that really helped because I was really clear about how I wanted to play and it was very much like we're just going to play to your strengths keep it really simple stick to do the basics really well and bat long as well I get a bit greedy I get a bit carried away I want boundaries so Lottie kept kept telling me that I had to be very very patient <laughs> and you were bowling again it's been a while for that hasn't it <laughs> I thought there was a typo. So when we got the programme, we've been told that we've got the go-ahead to train again. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Lottie's like, right, I'm sending you the programme for you. I'm like, okay. I look at the programme and it's like, obviously it's got fielding, batting, bowling, and then initials in the time slots. I'm like, that's my initials in bowling. <laughs> and I was like, that's not actually happening, is it? And Lottie was like, yeah, why not? You may as well. Like we've got this period of time where you can get a bit of technical input and actually work on it and see what happens if you're really not confident then we'll leave it but actually if, if you do all right we'll probably need you at some point in the summer so it kind of went from there really and actually um despite having a very probably round arm and unusual and unorthodox action obviously I had the upper hand because at the start of the competition people would not have been expecting me to bowl <laughs> so might not have prepared to face me um I think so I battled the whole way through the comp as a captain. When do I bowl myself? Because it's something that I've never had to really think about. Like there's been an occasion where I've bowled for Sussex, but it's been kind of by default. Like the pitch is absolutely ragging. We just need to go slow, slow, slow. I'll chuck a few balls down and hope for the best. So yeah, again, it was um, a bit of a whirlwind, but something that we're going with and... I'm now having bowling sessions, which is very, very unusual and new, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, just to let you know, when I did a quick Google search as well, just to find your latest stats and stuff, your uh -huh. Google profile comes up and it says Loughborough Lightning bracket bowler. 
Oh, there we go. I'm not a batter anymore. I'm a, I'm a bowling all-rounder. <laughs> I'm going to, on my profile and stuff, when I log what I am, I'm going to be like bowling all-rounder. Yeah. <laughs> so we've recently actually just done sort of our, our, I guess they're a bit like appraisals, but our player reviews with the coaching staff. And I guess bowling is something that I've never been that confident in because I know my action is not great. And I just haven't done a lot of it. I haven't had much input. I haven't had much coaching. So it's not something that I've ever really thought about too much. And then like it got to bowling I, I delivered sort of my work on my, my strengths and my work ons for batting and then Lossie was like and you're bowling and I was like I don't know I was like I honestly don't know so um yeah it's I was quite pleasantly surprised when I saw my stats actually that came back from the comp it wasn't too horrendous but I will hold my hands up and and, and admit that most of the time I was probably bowling at the lower end of the order rather than the top end of the order so um the other bowlers had to do all the hard graft I mean a wicket's a wicket a wicket is a wicket you know, I just have excellent catches on the boundary. <laughs> and then who did impress you most in the tournament? So you've already mentioned uh, Charlotte Taylor. Talk to me a little bit more about her, but who else? Oh my gosh, like, my list could go on. How much time have we got? I think Toes impressed me more so with her attitude and her maturity to her game. For someone who's probably never been on an elite pathway or structure before, I remember the very first conversation I had with her on the pitch and said, right, what sort of what field are we going for here? Are you having a short fine in? Because obviously off spinner traditional. And she went, no, I'm bowling with a new ball. I'm going to block off. I'm going to have two points. I'm going to dart it in there. I'm going to keep hitting fourth stump. Try and angle the odd one into off stump. But generally I take it away. And then she said, later on, I'm going to come on. I'm just going to go a bit wider and I'm going to dart it into stumps. I was like, you carry on. Like, So I think that was what impressed me most. And I think she is hugely talented without realising how talented she is. And very sort of humble. Like I loved it at the final when they were saying like so you kind of old doozers and you take it away um you take it away from the bat how do you do it and she just went I don't know and I think that's the best thing about Tay so obviously she came in and the circumstances as well having as had a few injuries she impressed me loads but I think there was people I, I think Paige Schofield flew under the radar so she always did brilliantly with the ball but possibly because she never was taking she was never the match winner in terms of taking fifers or fourthers or or getting 50s um she flew under the radar but sh she played a massive role for us in the field and with the ball and is capable of doing big things with the bat so I think she's quite an exciting player Charlie Dean or oh, like I love Dino she was brilliant and actually when I first watched her bowl got really excited because it's not often you see off spinners in the women's game who can generate the amount of turn that she can so she's obviously still a young player coming up I think she's going to be a really exciting player to watch and she scored quite a few runs for us as well with the bat Ella Mack very young and we had two hundred partnerships I think the top of all, top of the order so I think again she's another player who's going to be one to watch very really really exciting but I do think I could keep going on about the team because I think there was moments where somebody stepped up like my Boucher in the field oh my god she took catches I've never seen anyone take and it, it makes such a big difference Emily Windsor having such a level head with the bat coming in down the order and scoring the run she did in the final it got us over 200 which when you look at how the final played it was a massive innings 
even though she's not come off with a 50 on if you looked at the scorecard you don't realize how big that innings really was so and Tara Norris with the ball as well she took loads and loads of wickets throughout the comp so I, I genuinely think loads and loads of names in the team were exciting and our average age is 22 so I am the granny of the team which is worrying but I think we've got an exciting few years ahead of us because we we can really build on this platform and, and work with these players long term so they're already this good how good are they going to be in four years time and then just quickly on your captaincy as well so talk to me about the way you approach your kind of like captaincy on the field and as a leader behind the scenes as well? I think I'm a very laid back person at the same time I'm very conscious that I get extreme white line fever but I think as a captain I've always battled with the confrontation part and and not being assertive enough and I'm in a really fortunate position now where I'm working with possibly one of the most admiral leaders in women's cricket in Charlotte Edwards so I've had so many discussions with Lottie just about leadership communication and I think captaincy as a captain all you all I try and do is make sure that my players are feeling as confident as possible and that they have my backing and support when we walk out onto the pitch and I think from a captaincy point of view it's so important that you have that good relationship with the coach and the management team as well from a communication side of things if you're all on the same page you can then sort of really make things happen and get on top of things if things go wrong or things get miscommunicated so I think all I really try and focus on is making sure that I'm as planned as possible do your prep the night before make sure you're clear about what your bowlers plans are so we're not having to think on our feet about what field they need and again when I look at what was going on in the warm-up game and the first game as opposed to what was happening in, in the last few games I really feel like I grew as a captain I did more homework as the, as the comp went on because I realized it how important it was and also how much easier it made things for me to then just go and be a player as well by prepping more I think when you're winning obviously environment captaincy leadership is very easy so possibly haven't been challenged yet but I really feel like in such a short space of time, I grew as a leader because I had so much reassurance from Lottie and so much clarity on plans and ideas from Lottie. And by working more so with the bowlers and having that time to prep, it made such a huge difference and made my life a hell of a lot easier. As a captain, I think what you want to be doing is thinking about the plan B. So you want your bowlers as confident as possible to be able to deliver the plan A and then realistically it's over to me to come up with a plan b if needs be but again i had support you know lottie sees things that i I think no one else sees and picks up on and reads the game better than anybody i've ever known which just helped me massively it just certain things like if so and so comes into bat get a seamer on or try coming around the wicket and darting it in there and set this field and and she was so detailed with individual players and, and plans for individual players and how to shut off people's scoring options and, and what to do in certain situations I was like wow I, I like this is where I want to get to and hopefully with time if I can be half the leader that she was I'll be happy just drawing now onto your Sussex career over 100 caps youngest player to ever do so what was it like getting the 100th cap there and just tell me about 
your journey? Classic me, I turned up and I remember warming up with Sussex that day and looking over going, why are my mum and dad here? The game doesn't start till 11 and normally they're late. So normally they'd arrive at half 11, just as I've got out and gone, thanks for coming. Like you didn't, you didn't get to see me back. And I was thinking, this is really bizarre. Like, my parents are here an hour early. And then all of a sudden, we got brought into, like, a big huddle. And they were like, we've got a cat presentation. And I was thinking, like, we've all made our debut. I honestly had no idea what was going on. And then, obviously, Alexia Walker was like, it's your 100th cat. I was like really i guess because it always feels like we don't play enough cricket it always feels like we're waiting for cricket that i i just had no idea that i'd actually played that many games i was like this is crazy so um yeah it again very surreal and very honored to have obviously represented the county that many times i'm very passionate about sussex and again with this new structure it it was hard to sort of leave the sussex badge behind a little bit but at the same time to see Sussex players come through still and you know to, to play games at Hove um, to train here at Aldridge we're still seeing some of those glimpses of Sussex affiliation in there which keeps me happy I guess but yeah I think I was really really lucky as a youngster like I, I had the backing and the support here at Sussex even when we had a team of I think when I was 15 breaking into the side I'm trying to think now we had players like Holly Colvin Sarah Taylor Laura Marsh before she moved to Kent Caroline Atkins, Rosalie Birch, Georgia Elwes, probably missing someone really obvious, which would be really embarrassing, all playing in the team at the time. And you looked around and was like, this is very daunting, like half the England team are playing for Sussex right now. But they gave me opportunities. Even with the likes of that team, I was still given an opportunity to open the batting small things they still trusted a 15 16 year old to stand in slip so i feel very privileged and very lucky to have had such a supporting county throughout my career and i, I again i was really lucky to have opportunities you know, to open the batting with caroline atkins for many years uh, to bat with sarah taylor for many years and then and then to captain the likes of georgia elwes danny wyatt sarah taylor it, i was thinking gosh this will be a challenge because they know a hell of a lot more about the game than i do but actually you know Every player that I've worked with and, and everyone coming in has always been a huge support and, and has fitted into the environment brilliantly. So it's been, I've been, I would say as a player, I've had a very positive journey with Sussex and, and was always really fortunate to have been trusted and, and given opportunities as well. And then you've already kind of mentioned, but who's been your greatest inspiration in your cricket journey so far? That is a difficult question. I think obviously I Honestly, don't think I would have been playing cricket if it wasn't for my dad. I grew up watching my dad play cricket at Hove uh, and every weekend without fail, I was there with the other kids. So like Murray Goodwin's children who were a hell of a lot younger than me. But, you know, I used to love it because we just used to be in the nets like Tom Moores, who's obviously now doing really well under his dad at, at Nottinghamshire. Like, it was all I could remember as a kid was just being in and around cricket and, and playing cricket and watching cricket. And I just kind of knew that that's always what I want to do. So I think obviously my dad has played such a huge role in that and has always supported any decision and any choice that I've wanted to do and not been too forceful with 
anything either. He's very laid back, very chilled out and just kind of let me get on with it and do what I wanted to do, which I, I think, you know, looking back now, I, I get asked all the time, like, you must have had loads of sessions with him. And really, I didn't. And actually, when I did used to ask him, he used to palm me off to, to one of the other players because he just didn't like doing it because I guess he probably didn't want to get into an argument or something if he said the wrong thing. But yeah, so I think obviously him foremost. But I think Claire Connor was massive for me because growing up in the way that I did, I, I didn't know anything about women's cricket. I, I, To be honest, I didn't really know it was a thing. I grew up just always playing with the boys and in and around the boys. I actually had no idea that they had a women's only team. So Claire Connor was kind of my first glimpse into, oh my gosh, like a women's cricketer can go all the way and you can play England for cricket like you play cricket for England and she was quite influential sort of uh, so I think she's always been someone that I've always admired and looked up to and I think still when I hear her speak or read articles that she's done about the women's game she speaks so brilliantly she's a huge inspiration to show that actually you can have a full career in women's sport and women's cricket and have such a huge impact on the women's game um, even by not not playing because she obviously had a huge impact as a player but I think she's probably had even more of an impact with what she's done since playing so um yeah a massive inspiration obviously you just can't fault the likes of Charlotte Edwards with what she achieved with that England team you know that you've got to be a special person to have the success that she did and, and to get the best out of people so yeah that, that's probably my main three really just quickly as well what was your dad's reaction when you told him that you got the pro contract yeah, he was um, he was chuffed a bit. So he was actually the first person I phoned. I did try and phone my mum first, but she didn't answer. Yeah, I, I spoke to my dad and he was just, I think he's just really pleased that, that hard work paid off because I've never been able to walk away from cricket. Obviously, when I left the England Academy pathway, I was a little bit at this crossroads. Where do I go now? Counter cricket wasn't professional. And then we only had the Kia Super League, which was for six weeks of the year, which was an incredible six weeks of the year, but you just wish it could have been for the whole year. So I think, yeah, everyone was just so pleased for me, like the support I got, obviously, from my partner, from my family, to actually see hard work that's finally sort of paid off and the dream of becoming a professional cricketer has actually come true. I've said it before in interviews like I can now look back and go well actually I didn't play for England but I was a professional cricketer and you know I had, had X amount of years captaining the Vipers what what a brilliant achievement so it feels very surreal to be able to say it still. You just said um, you like, obviously like you didn't play for England kind of thing do you think there's still a chance though? I would love to I think everyone obviously in whatever sport they choose wants to get to the top and, and I would love to be able to represent my country but I know how talented they are and I know how good they are obviously I, I know quite a lot of the players really well so it will be interesting to see sort of what happens obviously Lisa Lisa came in charge and and then not long after we, COVID came and hit and, and things have all been a bit crazy for them. So I can imagine like Lisa probably still feels like she hasn't seen enough of her own players that she's got in front of her anyway. So I kind of, uh, this year was the first year that I, I went out and played cricket without thinking too much about England. And 
did surprisingly well. So I think I'm just of the attitude that if it happens, I I hope as a player and as an in, individual that I'm I'm ready to sort of take on the challenge and perform. And I I would love more than anything to to represent my country. But I think if it doesn't happen, then you know, I know that I'm still in a brilliant environment down here and I'm in good hands with Adam Carty and Charlotte Edwards. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Might get in for a bowler. Might, they might need a spinner now. So. <laughs> and then just talking about the England Academy. So you worked with Lisa. What was your journey like with any kind of cool tour stories and performances that you can remember? Yeah, like oh my goodness. I had a, a great sort of three years on the England Academy I think the first year was a little bit of a write-off because I had hip surgery so they were very patient with me um, and I was learning the ropes on what what hard graft and rehab actually looks like but yeah I I was really lucky and privileged again to go on the the World Cup preparation camp to Abu Dhabi so the year England women obviously lifted the trophy at Lords, which is still one of the best games of cricket I've watched I think I think three months prior to that, we were out in Abu Dhabi training and and playing sort of internal matches against each other to prepare the players to do so. So I think that's got to be one of the best tours that I've been a part of because it was challenging and it was tough. And and you knew that, you know, everyone was a little bit on eggshells because it was a World Cup here. People were playing for spots. And actually, I was probably in a privileged position where I went on that tour going, well, I'm I'm probably not going to get picked to play in the World Cup squad. So I can actually just go out here and enjoy it and and show them what I can do. So I think I did all right. I know I scored a 70-odd or something um, in one of the games, but that was definitely one of my highlights. And I think I I also was really lucky to go to India on a batting camp. Uh, There there wasn't many of us that went. Actually, Lydia Greenway, I remember it vividly. Lydia Greenway came out with us. And I spent, I did a session with her once and I did an hour's worth of just the sweep. And I remember not being able to walk after it. Like my whole glute had like seized and I was like, oh gosh. But I think from an experience, obviously going to countries like that, it's such an eye opener because out there cricket is like football. Like it's huge. You look out on the streets and everybody is playing cricket. Everywhere you go, there's cricketers on billboards or people just playing street cricket. And obviously it's such a big culture shift that that was brilliant to go out there and sort of experience the way they do things and and play on challenging surfaces that rag a mile. I remember they just brought in some young boys to come and bowl at us and we had to do a whole session on picking this one one kids googly because he had the best googly i've ever seen and none of us could play it or pick it so um, he bowled a fair amount of those as <laughs> but yeah so i think uh, again I, I i had a brilliant journey with the academy and was under lisa for a year and a half or two of those years as well and lisa was brilliant she she didn't do a lot of the hands-on coaching actually she was just more of a the manager and she I remember we used to go in for our little sort of one-to-one meetings with her and chat away uh, and she was really good at sort of getting to know and understand the individuals that she was working with but she was very much an overseer rather than a I'm gonna chuck a thousand balls at you this winter um I guess but yeah I had a really good relationship with Lisa which was brilliant. Loughborough University how long were you there for and what was your journey like within the MCC program? I was there for four years 
four years. Um, yeah, I absolutely, I think going to Loughborough was one of the best decisions that I ever made for my cricket. And I will forever, despite we did have a few hiccups and a few rows, I will forever sing Sally Ambrose's praises because um, if you were someone that wanted to put in hard graph, she would put in that hard graph with you so she would be chucking balls for hours and hours and hours on end I remember I think it was a Thursday which she'd get to the to the indoor school at probably eight nine o'clock and would still be there chucking balls at people at six in the evening so Loughborough played such a huge role in in my journey as a cricketer and actually when I went there in my first year there I'd just fallen out of the England under nine set 19 set up because I was obviously too old to be on it and and not good enough to be on the England academy pathway so I sort of said to Sal like I, I want to work really really hard and I want to do everything that I can to get into the England pathway again and we just did quite low level stuff like just loads of drilling loads of volume hitting balls hitting balls and I think that first year that I was there I had one of the best seasons I've ever had I scored 300s for different teams one was for the England Academy because I got drafted into the summer stuff across the year and just generally like was a bit more consistent than I'd ever, ever been before and on the back of that summer I got into the academy again so I think I was always really grateful and always had a brilliant relationship with Sal because she worked me and challenged me so so hard but I knew that I could I had that relationship where I could go to her about quite literally anything as well when I I started there I remember going to getting into the first team and turning up to training and we had Anya Shrobsall, Georgia Relwis, Lauren Winfield, Beth Langston, Nat Siver Amy Jones and I was like looking around going like people like Tammy Beaumont dipped in and out of some of our sessions Catherine Brunt dipped in and out of some of the sessions it was just crazy every session was a challenge because you were facing in and around the England players and and being put under a lot of pressure to perform and scenarios were always exciting because they would 99% end up in an argument or a row or a heated battle at some point but yeah, obviously, like, very, very proud to have gone to Loughborough. And, um, you know, I was desperate to always represent them in the Kia Super League. So I think when that opportunity came along as well, I was very pleased to be back in purple. Despite having left the uni, I was like, I can't get out of the pink and purple. So, um, yeah, like, I think four, four of the best years of my life, really. And I just can't speak high enough of of the place and what it did for me as a person and as a cricketer. So what was it like um, obviously representing Lightning for was it three years in the end in the Kia Super League? Uh, two years I did with Lightning so I did two with the Vipers and two with Lightning so I think yeah I was I went through this sort of emotional roller coaster because I remember sort of having conversations with Sal saying I fell out of the England programme which meant that England couldn't when we were part of the England programme they obviously put us in teams so they told us where we needed to go and I actually had an amazing time with the Vipers and, and loved being part of the Vipers and they had that Sussex affiliation too um, and I fell out of the England team and was desperate to get an opportunity to kind of prove them wrong I think and I think having the relationship I had with Sal I knew in my heart of hearts that if, if I was gonna perform to my utmost 
it would be, I was very much an environment person and I knew that Sal would get the best out of me. So I signed for Loughborough and then two weeks later, Sal texted me saying, I'm moving to Australia. So I was like, is this for real? Like, but at the same time, she obviously left lightning in in excellent hands with Rob and my best friend was captain in George Railway so it was definitely the right move I think for me at the time I absolutely loved the environment I loved representing lightning and you know we had such a a good two years when I was there because I think the first year was when we sort of had Rachel Haynes and Soph Devine and Elise Villani who were on fire like I think I didn't bat in like three or four of the games because you just watch them score so many runs but unfortunately we obviously got to the final and, and didn't perform so it was very professional I think that's the best thing about Loughborough they've got the best facilities a really professional program so many staff members oh my gosh I think we had more staff and players at some at some points like but it was brilliant because you you had so much support in every avenue so um I really really enjoyed my my two years with the lightning and one of my favorite moments um with lightning was seeing you with Minion building those like middle order partnerships and stuff so yeah. Tell me a little bit about those but also like who was your favorite overseas player to take some inspiration from that is a very hard question. Okay. Yeah, I think obviously I knew um, Mignon from playing with her at the Vipers. And I can honestly say she is the nicest person you'll ever meet. And she's so calm. Every time I batted with her, we found ourselves in some very tricky situations. And I'd just walk out and she'd just be like, it is what it is. Like, we just got to play to our strengths and we'll see what happens. And I'm like, what a great, like, she just has a brilliant outlook on everything. Um, I do not think there is one negative or bad word you can say about Minxie because she is, um, she's brilliant. And again, like, I learned so much from being in and around people like that. And again, so humble. I remember... I was feeling like I needed to hit a few more balls. I wasn't feeling great. I wasn't feeling like I was hitting the ball well. And Minxie just took me off. We went inside, set up a bowling machine. And she said, let's just do some power hitting. And she like fed balls at me. We were going for like an hour, hour, hour and a half. And I just think she's one of the most down to earth people I've ever played with. But I must admit, I think Villani is one of the funniest overseas I've ever encountered. She practiced me up and when she played half the season in that dodgy pink bucket hat thing like all because of her hair just brilliant like I yeah I definitely think she was um she was up there with funniest overseas I've played with but they have such a huge impact on the game I know there's been a little bit of negativity around it's such a short format and having three overseas meant that English players didn't always shine or get opportunities but what younger players can learn from being in and around overseas players and I always recall back to my first ever game of the Kia Super League at the Vipers um, and I opened the batting with Susie Bates because Lottie went down with concussion and it was a massive eye-opener for me because Susie was going to me right I think Boggy was bowling at us Laura Marsh and she's going she's set this field which means this is obviously what her plan is so I'm going to try and step out outside off stump and hit her over there because she's going to try and bowl this wild chat and I was like I need to be more observant about what's going on because I was very much as a 21 year old just react to what was bowled at me 
I didn't, I guess they're the sort of one percenters that make batters um, go that extra mile. And, and you've obviously got the skill and the tools to be able to, you know, step outside off stump and whack them over there. But I think seeing the way Susie went about her business and just the way she quite literally talked me through my innings. So I, I think I got 45 that day and she just was talking me through what she thought all the bowlers' plans were and what her options were going to be. And she never forced them upon me, but she was like, this is what I'm going to do. If you want to do it, like, I think that's what they're going to bowl at us. So, yeah, I think that was the moment when I was like, that's where I need to get to to take my game to the next level, especially in 2020. Especially last season, you and Minion, I think Lightning wouldn't have probably qualified like, if they didn't have you guys, because those were the orders. I can just remember at, um, was it Lancashire? Yeah, we had a bit of a, we were like four wickets down, weren't we, very quickly. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> and you got player for match that game as well. I know, it's always a bit like, uh, it's funny as a cricketer, when I've when I've gone out and when you're desperate for runs, things never go your way or you get a bad decision or you play a stupid shot and you're like, why have I done that? And I think in the last couple of years, I've just started to see me lower my expectations of myself and actually just try and really simplify as much as possible what I'm doing. And I think my best innings for Lightning were always when I went in with time and we had to rebuild. So it was almost like when you're in those situations as a batter, all you can do is go to your strength. You're not worried about playing fancy shots or hitting boundaries or doing any of that. You just play to your strengths and go from there. So I think that goes a long way. And that was definitely sort of the mindset this summer for me, playing the longer format, playing 50 over cricket, was just bat for 40 overs. And don't worry about dot ball percentages. Don't worry about scoring options, playing 360. Just bat. And then at 40 overs, assess the game, see where we're at and go from there. So it's quite a simple approach, really. And I think every player, every cricketer is guilty of overthinking everything. And actually, sometimes when you go in in those scenarios, I actually found it easier to go in having to save the game because it meant I could consolidate myself a bit more and just be content with hitting ones, twos, trying to find the gaps rather than going, I've got a scoop, I've got a reverse, I've got to paddle this over there, I've got to whack it over for six, like where you start thinking too much about what your options are. And I did have minks to sort of calm me down as well. <laughs> no, definitely. And then that's my final lot of my cricket questions. So just tell me a little bit about like your family life and what you do outside of cricket. Yeah, so obviously, uh, well, I'm currently engaged, which so it's a lot of wedding planning going on at the moment, which is quite scary. How is it going? Yeah, it's going right. I think I'm frustrating Amy a rather large amount because I am very laid back. So she'll sort of ask me, what what do you think about this? And I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. Um, So she keeps saying, you do realise you have to have some input on this wedding um, and I'm like yeah 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 but it, it's going all right so I think that at the moment that is probably occupying most of what we're doing but I am a massive coffee fan I'm a bit of a coffee snob so and I'm very lucky living in Brighton that there's a lot of nice cafes so I've taken it upon myself that I have to try every single one and also I love my food so actually going to nice restaurants and I'm not a fussy eater in the slightest I don't there's many things that I've come across that I don't like so I just like trying different styles of food different stuff going out obviously socializing again living in Brighton it's a brilliant place to be it's quite a sociable place um not when you have COVID rules and, and you're limited to 
a group of six, but yeah, that's generally me really. And obviously got my bulldog who is like my best friend. I try and walk him, but it's always a bit difficult because he's probably the only dog on the planet where if you show him the lead, he actually just runs away because he's like, don't make me go on a walk. So actually walking him sometimes becomes more effort than not. So there were times in lockdown where I was just going for a walk by myself, like, because he out and out refused. Obviously as well, like I do, I work in cricket, so it's still in cricket, but I, I also work full time still at Aldridge Cricket Academy in a coaching capacity because I sort of found in the last two years, I threw myself into loads of coaching, which I absolutely love. And then this contract came along and I was a bit like, okay, so I've, the dream come true has happened, but I, I don't want to like walk away from coaching and I still want to have an impact and work with players so I think I'm in a position currently where I can kind of have the best of both worlds and I'm very fortunate that obviously here at, at the Ultra Cricket Academy they're supporting me through that as well and and want what's best for me and want to have me on board in some capacity so yeah that's me really I, I either found eating drinking coffee or coaching <laughs> when not playing cricket but I am a little bit of a gym junkie as well, but I don't have the big muscles that go with it. <laughs> One day, maybe. No, that's perfect. Does your younger sister play as well, or have I made that up? You are correct. Actually, my youngest sister, Molly, scored her first 50 for Sussex. Or her first ever 50, but her first 50 was for Sussex this summer. So Amazing. I can't quite believe she's taller than me. She's like, oh my God, let me get this right. She's 13. She's taller than me. She started like running loads as well. So she's just going like this, getting really strong and fit and scoring loads of runs. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to up my game. Like, <laughs> I think I'd had a couple of games for Sussex and didn't really make any scores. And then Molly came in and smashed a 50 and I was like, no pressure now. But yeah, she's, uh, she's doing really well and she's a keeper as well. So I quite like that she's got a point of difference um, because obviously it must be quite hard on her not only having sort of my dad, but then having, she probably gets, oh, and your sister plays. So she's kind of got her own identity. And I keep, even though I think she finds keeping hard work because she's so tall now and it's a long way down, I keep telling her, you've got to keep keeping because you're really good at it. She's got brilliant hands. So I'll keep, I'll keep hanging on her, her about that. Yeah, she's, she's also a cricketer, so a bit of a cricket family. Middle sister doesn't go near it. She was like, I'll come and watch every now and again. But she was like, no chance I'm playing cricket. <laughs> I was no convincing Amy to play as that. I've tried. In the garden, she had actually, she, my dad has bowled at her in the garden before. I mean, she's a dancer, so she's got quite good sort of coordination. But I think when Amy's around cricket, she's like, nothing's equal. So obviously cricket's very one-sided. Like you stand side on and you lunge one way. And, and Whereas in dance, everything is, you're right has to be as good as your left and everything's parallel and everything's the same and she just like cricket scares me because when I watch people bowl I'm like how is that like possible so but occasionally I've had her in the nets a couple of times but I, I don't think she's I don't think we're gonna transform her over to cricket anytime soon equally I don't think she's gonna transform me into a dancer anytime soon <laughs> she's very worrying me doing ballet are you not getting any um dance lessons for the wedding you know what? I've been losing sleep over this dance situation. I yeah. said to her, I was like, can we just have it for like 10 seconds and then stop? But she's quite chill, actually. Like she did say, I think my mum more so. My mum keeps saying, should we have a routine? And we all do a routine. And I was like, absolutely not. I said, you can with Amy. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, no, no dance lessons. I mean, we have had actually like a couple of dance sort of like team building things uh, that she did with Sussex beforehand. It's a very interesting seeing some of the cricketers' moves. I think we're not natural movers by any means. But I tell you, one person who was actually very good at dancing is Nat Siva. Okay, uh, she can dance. I have witnessed it firsthand. She is a good dancer. But other than that, I don't think cricketers are cut out for, for dancing really. What kind of dancing are we talking about here? Just general. Like we did a we did a street dancing before. I mean, when I've seen that dance, it's probably not in an appropriate environment. <laughs> um in the in the student union at Loughborough, but um Nat's actually we had a few forfeits. I remember it like at light at Loughborough training, we had some forfeits where people had to do dances if they came last. I remember Beth Langston, Amy Jones and Nat having to do this forfeit and Langers and sort of Jonesy were like bobbing up and down next to her and Nat was actually like in rhythm, in time, sort of looked like she knew what she was doing and I was like, She could definitely dance. So basically yeah. we need to get a call out to Strictly to get Nat on there. Get Nat getting that so she'll probably hate me for this but getting that silver on strictly i reckon it could happen massive thank you to georgia adams for being the first guest on the podcast and if you want to keep up to date with georgia adams you can follow her on, on twitter at georgia adams 01 and on instagram at g adams 01 <laughs>